Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,215. Intense focus combined with an abject terror of failure. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up, and you don't know how excited I am to introduce today's very special guest. Calling in from the beautiful Santa Barbara, California area, I wish I was down there with you today, Randy Leffingwell. Randy, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, yeah, Mark. Strapped in and ready to go. Cool, cool. Randy Leffingwell is a journalist, author, and photographer. He worked two years for the Kansas City Star, then nine years for the Chicago Sun-Times, and followed that with a year at Auto Week before moving to Los Angeles and joining the Times, where he was for nine, well, actually 11 years, I should say. Since 1990, Randy has written and photographed a number of wonderful books, including American Muscle, Porsche 911, 50 Years, Mustang, 40 Years, Art of the Corvette, and Corvette 7 Generations, as well as Porsche, Unexpected Porsche Turbo, and in Porsche 70 Years. I can tell he likes Porsches just like me. That's why I like Randy so well. Most of his projects are transportation-oriented, corporate product histories focusing on as much of the individuals who did the work as much as the vehicles they created. And these range from brands like John Deere Tractors to Hot Wheels, Harley-Davidson Heritage Collection. But since 1995, he has been a full-time book author and magazine contributor. I am proud to say many, if not all, of Randy's books sit in my library. And while those of us who love cars know Randy's work well, he also ventured into photographing and writing about barns and lighthouses, California missions, horses, and wine country. So, Randy, I have told our listeners a little bit about you. Could you take a brief moment before I jump into the questions and share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for anything that rolls on rubber? (laughs) I've loved reading and writing for all of my life. My mom demanded book reports from my sister and me every summer. Uh, I discovered photography when I was in high school from a best friend. I followed through with it in college, became a shooter, but I missed the writing. And then I had that opportunity for the year at Auto Week from early 82 to early 83. And it taught me I could do this, but I had and I still have a lot to learn. Well, we're all learning every day, I hope. I know I do every day when I talk to uh, inspiring automotive enthusiasts like you, but I'm so glad your mom did what she did. I mean, what a special mom to require those. I mean, that must have been, at the time, probably, oh, mom, it's summer. What are you doing? But did did you learn to love those? I'm sorry, did I learn? Yeah, did you learn to love doing those book reports? I mean, obviously, being a writer, there's some passion there, right? Absolutely. We had to do one a week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wow. it, was, it was serious. Mom was an absolute, well, till the day she died, she was a reader, and she yeah. deeply instilled the love of the printed word in my sister and wow. me. And to this day, my sister is as voracious a reader as I am, and I get to spit it back out as a writer. Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, Randy and I have been communicating for some time, and the emails I get back from Randy are such a joy. They are rather long, but they are very well written, Sorry of about that. No, they're actually, I smile when I get one because I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun because it's not a simple yes or no like I get a lot from people. It's it's very eloquently put together. There's a lot of some fun things thrown in there. I mean, that's why I like you so much, Randy. You're just a joy. Well, 
God bless your mom. I mean, man, you were very fortunate to have a wonderful lady like that uh, to raise oh, yes. you because that is incredible. Well, as we continue on this journey we call your life, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So, Randy, take the wheel. The second book I did, well, the second book I was going to do was one called Porsche Legends. But because we learned from another publisher that there was a potential publishing conflicts, my publisher asked me to do something else. And it turned out to be a book on farm tractors. I knew nothing about them, but the smartest move of my life was not to say, no way, you're crazy, but to say, all right, let me think about it. And in the course of doing that book, I kept hearing there was one guy, one guy, one guy I needed to meet who was the authority on Caterpillar. So I went up to this guy's place and I got there at the appointed hour and he drove into the office, through the gate, closed the gate went to the front door, opened the front door, and I was sitting right there in my car, right in front. Didn't stick his head out and wave me in. So I went to the door and timidly knocked, Mr. Dunning, Mr. Dunning, my name's Randy Lethingwell. I'm here to talk to you about Caterpillar. You're going to do it, right? <laughs> well, there's, a, there's an intimidating start in there. <laughs> and I looked at him through the screen, and I said, with your help, and uh, long story short, at the end of the book, I work, ended up working with him for three months on oh. one chapter of a book. And at the end of the project, I sent the chapters to each of my expert authorities. And I got responses back very quickly. Change this. This is not correct. This is good. You've done well. This is this. Is this. Nothing from Dunning. Nothing. Nothing. Silence. And I was, meanwhile, I was back. I had taken two months of vacation from the LA Times to do this book. I was back at work. I was thinking, oh man, I screwed up. I did not do it right. I've got to go back up to this guy and, you know, throw myself at his mercy. And I came home from work one night and there was a single message on my answer machine. Push the button. You did that right. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, best critic you could have, right? Absolutely. It's, that has been my work mantra since that day. That's cool. You know, that's really cool. Sir Richard Branson, who's known for a lot of quotes, of course, he's a very successful businessman. Uh, one of them is, I'm prepared to try anything once. And I always, <laughs> I, I always try to, you know, remember that when somebody asked me to do something. Last year, I got invited to be a keynote speaker at several events. I'd never done that really seriously before. And I was like, oh, get up and talk in front of, you know, 300 and 400 of your peers. That's a little intimidating. Um, oh, yeah. But you know what? After I did the first one, it was like, that was really fun. I got a lot of accolades from it. I learned a little bit. I recorded it so I could go back and very painfully listen to it and figure you out how I could get yourself apart. <laughs> yeah, I could get better next. Well, look, after 1,215 interviews here, um, if I don't tear myself apart every day when I edit my shows, I don't know who does. Yeah, there's always something we can learn. But uh, wow, yeah, well, that's a really true. cool story. A Thank true you. story. I love it. it I love it. True. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's share a little uh, story that instigated your personal passion for cars, because I can't believe someone can write about cars the way you do without some passion for them and some uh, some love for these vehicles. So tell us about maybe a pivotal moment in your life. And you knew you were indeed a car guy. You know, it's funny. Seeing your, your questions in advance gave me time to really think about this. And this is... a a particular, I can't give you the day of the week or the hour of the day, but a particular moment when I knew 
this was something I wanted to do. I had an opportunity to watch the great photographer, Bob DeLivo, shoot a car. I was, Ford Motor Company had hired me to be the shooter for a long lead, which is the press introductions in those days that they did for magazines. So I was the shooter on on hand, but I was also ready to be an assistant, a grip, a, you know, a water bearer or whatever. Bob asked me to take this certain new Mustang convertible out to a location he'd spotted. And he just took command of the situation. He, fa- he had found a piece of pavement that hadn't been driven on. He asked me to go very, very slowly and make no radical moves to the tires that would put a mark on the pavement. And he, I could see him through the windshield. He was looking at the car incredibly critically. And then he just stopped me. And I got out and I walked around and stood behind him because I knew he was one of the geniuses. And I looked really carefully and tried to figure out. By then, I'd been shooting as a professional photographer. I'd been shooting by this time for 15 years. So I knew what lens did what. And I knew I'd already done my year at Auto Week. So I, I knew how to write about cars. I learned so much in that year. But long story short, watching DeLivo and understanding that shooting a car is not just about putting the car in a pretty place, but watching the light on the side of it, controlling the location, particularly controlling the background. I thought to myself, okay, this, this is something I want to do. It was like getting a PhD in automotive photography in seeing in, in a single day. Wow. How fortunate are you to have been with that master? Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. It truly, it changed the way I look at photographing automobiles. And that changed the way I think about writing about them. Awesome. Well, it's neat the way it transitioned into your writing as well. But, you know, when we're fortunate enough to be around a master like that in any discipline and get to really watch and listen, observe and be taught, it teaches us a wonderful lesson to seek mentors seek those experiences because for you having shot for 15 years i would think most photographers would go well i'm not going to be a gopher for somebody i i can know i know what i'm doing you know but we can always learn we can absolutely. always learn absolutely yeah what a wonderful story wow you're a fortunate guy well let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced and i like this question for a couple reasons i don't like redwelling up things that might have been painful for my guests But these things teach us really valuable lessons that we can share with others. And that's the most important thing because we're here inspiring automotive enthusiasts. So tell me about a particular experience. Kind of walk us through that and tell us how that helped you gain even more momentum to move forward in your career and your business and your life. The very first book that I got to do was titled American Muscle. And it was on Otis Chandler's muscle car collection. Uh, I had pitched the book to Otis. He had another photographer writer who had already sent in a pitch, but ultimately Otis chose me. And I had working at the LA Times in those days was possible to earn so much overtime that I was able to take, you know, another one of those two month comp time, vacation time periods off. And I spent those two months photographing 30 of his muscle cars. Oh, wow. And in the middle of that process, I looked around at what I was doing and I thought to myself, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. (laughs) Nice. I was, I was, it it really was. 
I had worked for newspapers. By that time, I had worked for newspapers for 15 years, 16 years. I'd been a photographer paying my rent for 21 years. Mm -hmm. And I had worked with a variety of newspaper and magazine editors, some of whom had no idea what they wanted until they didn't see it in my take or read it in my text. Gosh, those are tough ones. (laughs) <laughs> and then they'd say, well, can you reshoot this or can you rewrite this entire story and maybe take it that way? And as I was doing the book, I realized, wait a minute, I'm in charge. Yeah, I'm my, I'm my own art director. I'm my own text coordinator. I'm my own logistics manager. Everything about this is the kind of, I don't know, movie in my head, maybe of each car each day. And that's really how Otis and his general manager, Jerry Seavey, and I conceived all the shoots for that book. Each of these cars had a story to tell. So talking with Otis, talking with Jerry about the history of that particular car, we found a location, we took the car to the location, and we shot it. And that kind of control, artistic and even intellectual control, just was addictive. And so when I finished the project, I had convinced myself, this is, the, this is what I'm going to do. I need to figure out how to do it. And I established in the computer basically a five-year plan, how to leave a very, very comfortable, very secure, very exciting, very well-paying job and jump off the cliff. What an awesome story. And you know, this is what Cars Yeah is all about, is people taking that bold move to go out and do their own thing around their passion. And the fact that you did it, but you know what I love about it is you made a plan. You didn't just quit the next day and go, uh oh, how am I going to pay rent? Because you got to build a runway, as yep. I always say, so that you can, you know, you're ready to go. Cause you know, when you go out on your own, you may have quite a bit of time before you get that first paycheck. Oh um, yeah. It could, it could take a while. So you better have something in savings. That thing that our mom and dad's always ta- taught us about saving for that <laughs> rainy, that rainy day that we never thought would come. And of course, uh, it always does come. There's always a recession or some changes at a business if you don't uh, own the business. And you, you know, sometimes you think you're secure in a big company and you really don't know how not secure you are because at any moment, oh, we changed our mind. We're going to let all these folks yeah. go. What an awesome story and what an awesome opportunity. And the fact that you saw it and took it, but planned for it. Well done, my friend. Awesome. Thank well, you so much. You bet. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle, a car that you owned that really had great meaning for you. Oh, well, I'm actually still waiting for that one. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes Uh, I feel like I am too. (laughs) I I did get a chance. After I did Porsche Legends, I had worked with a fellow during that process who had a collection of race cars. And uh, one of our conversations late one night was my the fact that I admired the Cosworth three liter Ford engine. And at this point he said, Oh, you should drive my Rondo. Excuse me. Yeah. You should drive my Rondo at the historics and at the historics. Yeah. And at that point he then conference called Steve Earl into our phone call and asked Steve, Hey, can, uh, can can Leffy, uh, drive the Rondo at, uh, the race this year. And this was January. And Steve said, uh, you ever raced? <laughs> yeah. No, Steve, yeah. but I will, go, I will go to two driver schools and present you passing credentials or I won't bother. Uh, okay, yeah. well, we'll try it. And I did that. 
I, I went to Jim Russell twice. I <laughs> learned <laughs> and uh, got there for the race. And the reason that I had photographed racing through late 60s through the 70s, Can-Am, Trans-Am, Formula Atlantic, SCCA, regionals, nationals. And I always wondered about that thousand yard stare that the drivers get before the race. I was curious to find out where they went. I was curious to find out what it felt like to be in a race. The Rondo is a 400 horsepower, 1600 pound car. My friend's car was black. It was supposedly the car that won Le Mans in 1980. Uh, wow. Incredibly significant automobile. It looked like the Batmobile. It felt like the Batmobile to drive it. And I finished the race and I learned I'm not a racer. I don't have <laughs> that killer competitive gene. I've never had it. Yeah. But it did answer the questions about what the driver's feel where they go in their mind before the race, which is basically pre-driving it. And after I did my own pre-drive and then have talked to so many racers for the books I've done, they all confirm that's what happens. They go inside themselves to pre-drive the race, plan their strategy, think about the circuit. Right. And it answered right. all my questions, and I've never needed to race since then. <laughs> you, you know, I think it's pretty cool that you went there because Number one, going to those racing schools is important because then you learn, do you really have a taste for speed? Because some people think they might, and then when they get out there, it's like, ah, this isn't for me. But the fact that he saw that the value in, in putting you in that seat oh, yeah. is pretty pretty darn cool. I mean, that's And incredibly pretty, generous. Well, and even for Steve Earle, and for those of you who don't know Steve Earle, he's the guy that started the uh, Laguna Seca Historic Races way back when. So he was the guy that made all that happen back then with another group of people. That mm -hmm. has been going on for decades. Wonderful event. I've got to race there as well. In fact, that's where I did my racing school too to get my license. And uh, nice. Yeah, that is very, very cool. So, have you ever owned a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back? I once sold a vehicle that I had promised to give a friend. And I regret that more than I can express in English language words. Yeah. What kind of vehicle was it? Uh, it was a very special Ford truck. I'm a real utility guy because when I was doing the books, I was driving across the country sometimes twice a year. In that particular truck, I had done a 30,000 mile, six month trip photographing barns for that book I wrote to you about the American barn. And my friend really took care of that vehicle for me. And, and made it was made it safe and secure for that long journey. And I just didn't do the right thing. Yeah. Well, I hope at least you gave him a book. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not to make light of it, but no, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I've done my best to make amends, but there you go. That's all we can do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what has you excited and fired up in this new year. We're into 2019 now. Can't believe 2018's gone. What? How did that happen? But what has uh, Randy Leffingwell, or Leffy, as your friends call you, uh, <laughs> excited and fired up these days? I am working on the dream project. About eight years ago, two friends of Porsche, Dieter Landenberger, who was head of archive, and yeah. Jens Horner, who is the head of photo archive, they asked me to 
write Porsche's racing history. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, my first <laughs> question was, why me? I'm a Yank. And they said that's exactly why, because so much of Porsche's racing history happened here. And if they, yeah. if they had a German write it, he would say, and oh, by the way, there was racing in the UK and the US. Right, and if they right. had a Brit write it, the Brit would say, and they raced Porsches in Europe and in the United States. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I have been working on that for these eight years. I've done more than 200 interviews. I've read 500 some books. It's a, it's a book that will take, well, the other funny part of this is that when I looked at Dieter and Jens, I said, oh, that'll be fascinating. I can start in 45, 48 and take it up to the present day. And Dieter looked at me. Jens was smiling. Dieter looked at me and said, no, 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 Randy. Ferdinand Porsche raced the first car he built in 1898. That's the beginning of Porsche racing history. We're going way, way back. Oh, my gosh. 50 years more than I expected. Oh, you know, my first question for you when I hear, and and congratulations, what an incredible, I can't wait for this book. But how do you keep all this straight? I'm trying to imagine, obviously, you cannot keep it. Well, maybe you can. You may be a thousand times smarter than me. Probably you are. But I mean, you must have a wall that looks like one of those CSI TV programs with all the things all over the wall so they can keep track of everybody involved. How do you keep track of everything in such an enormous project? One of the great inspirations in my life is a a writer named John McPhee, a New Yorker staff writer forever, Princeton University professor of writing forever, and a man who has done 30, 35, 40, 50, 90, 200 books. And one of his working techniques is index cards. And he, he has an office at one of the Princeton University buildings and a big corkboard wall. There you go. Yeah. As he begins to put together his books or these 30, sometimes 30,000 word pieces for New Yorker, he organizes everything, strategic quotes, the strategic facts, figures, points of interest in each of his, each of his areas of approach in this particular story. And that's essentially what I've done. I have several hundred four by six index cards. I'm telling this story year by year because a number of other historians have told Porsche's history model by model. And that's led to some awkward sort of reading situations. Mark, you you can understand this because you're reading along and then some tragedy happens. Uh, And then you get to the next chapter and that chapter starts before the tragedy happened. Right. Yeah. So you're suddenly reading. Exactly. You're suddenly sort of doing the head slap saying, wait a minute, I thought that horrible thing happened. And then it happens again. What I, in all of the times I've been there and all the research I've done, what I've recognized is that so many things were going on, are going on concurrently within Porsche, within every car maker. But specifically for my interests now in this project, within Porsche, motorsports, series production cars. There was so much overlap where an engineer one morning was in a meeting about, I don't know, a new endurance car. And in the afternoon was talking about suspension revisions to the next series production car. Mm -hmm. So it struck me that the way to do this was pure chronology year by year. And so that's what I'm doing. It takes me about one week to write each year. 
as I, I, I just celebrated New Year's Eve two nights ago. It's now 1960. Oh I, did a little, I did a little <laughs> Snoopy dance. I've gone from 1875 Ferdinand's birth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, you, you don't want to see it, but I pretty much did it. No, you don't want to um, see me dance either <laughs> or sing, as you just learned. The, the thing, it, it, as, as I start each of these big, well, they're basically three chapters per year. Uh, the first, a, a, a preview. First half, second half, it f- finishes with a review. And so I lay out the number of races. And for 1960, I am covering 39 events. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So yeah, they 30, were very active then. Yeah. Oh, my God. And 60 was a very, very significant year. 59 was huge. 58, 59 was pivotal. Uh, it was the first year they won something as major as the Targa Florio outright. Mm-hmm. That was okay. the year that Porsche went from being the little car that could to being the little car that does. Wow. That, what an awesome opportunity. I mean, pretty cool. Oh, yes. You mentioned 1960. I mean, that's wasn't that the year Dan Gurney was driving their their uh, attempt at the first F1 car? He started, yeah. He and Bonnier yeah. uh, and, and Von Trips at first. And then Dan came in. <laughs> One of my resources for this was a conversation I had with Dan some years ago and a conversation I had with his wife, Evie, also some years ago, and then I touch up with her a few months back. Hushti von Hanstein was Evie's boss. He was the head of motorsports, sort of really the racing director. He was also head of PR. And Evie was his secretary. And they and that's how they that's how she and Dan met. Okay. And they dated secretly for months. And apparently Hushki almost never forgave Dan for stealing Evie from his <laughs> okay. office. Yeah, isn't that in? Well, wow, what a cool little side story. Well, here's what I think you should do here, uh, Randy. Since you've driven a race car, you know you were in that uh, that Rondeau, I think, and since you're working on this project, you should talk to those folks there at Leipzig and say, you know, I think I need to drive a 962 and you know a 908 and a 910 and of course the 917 to really get a taste of what these guys. Because I, you know, I do have a driving license. I have raced. Uh, you know, that's what I think you should do. What do you think? When I worked on Porsche Legends, Otis was, because I'd already done American Muscle with him, he was a tremendous collaborator. And he opened many doors, as did my friend with the Rondeau. But one of the doors Otis opened was to his 917K Ooh. at Willow Springs. And You did get to drive it? Jerry Seavey, his general manager, took me for three laps and then looked at me and said, you want to try it? And I got to drive it for two laps. Oh, man. Well, next time I see you, I'm going to be down on my knees saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Oh, my gosh. What fun. Well, oh, my gosh. I think we could talk about this forever, but we got to move forward here. So up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine-washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, 
all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. MavTV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Randy, we are back. And I have a very introspective question for you before we get into the last lap. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested into a car, what would Randy be and why? <laughs> well, and this will probably make you laugh as loud. I would probably be the car I drive, which is a no, Volvo XC90 because I'm okay. <laughs> I'm really okay. a utilitarian guy. I'm 71 years old. I don't need to go fast anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you've already um, done it. You've driven a 917 for gosh sake. <laughs> The Holy yeah. Grail. So what else do you need to do? Oh, that's a good answer. That's a that's a straight, honest answer. I like that. It's the truth. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, we're going to enter the last lap. These are for, have are, basically, these require very quick, short answers, if you will. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that 917 throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? They're conflicting. Do buy that. Don't buy that. Oh, now that's one of the most unique answers I've ever had. Can you explain that a little further? Oh, in my irrational days of thinking it might be fun to have a uh, a non-work uh, vehicle, sager minds with greater experience than I looked at me and said, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> or, well, if you can, and then I realized, well, I really can't. <laughs> Well, or you could get an answer like my wife gives me when I go off on a crazy tangent about buying a car. Well, if you think that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> ouch. Yeah, ouch. Does she time. give you yeah. the bandages to go with that? Uh, yeah, usually. You know, this is one of the hazards of of marrying a woman who's way smarter than you are. So, Or the benefits. Uh, well, I took, yeah, or the, well, definitely the benefit. Yeah, we've been married for just about 35 years. So that's. Oh, uh, congratulations. Okay, yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? Uh, this is easy. Intense focus combined with an abject terror of failure. <laughs> there you go. That's a very nicely said, as I knew it would be. Now, how about a resource? This is a tough one because there's a billion of them. But is there one resource you think of that maybe is a, a daily go-to? 
You know, I'm going to have to say it's that question from Laurie Dunning. You're going to do it right. It, as I said to you earlier on, that is, that's really kind of my guiding direction. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Now, here's another tough one. If I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a meal or a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, <laughs> who would that be? I loved this question. It would be Tony Lapine, Anatole Lapine. He was the head of design for Porsche from the mid-70s to the late 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, under his watch, things like the 924, the 928, oh, Moby Dick. 959, all those cars came out. Through yeah. my friend with the Ronto, I met Tony while I was working on Legends. And he and I picked up a quick, fast friendship. I had asked him for a couple of hours one Saturday and ended up there for 12. Oh my um, gosh. Wow. And <laughs> it came to every single time I went to Germany. I contacted Tony and said, Hey, can I come see you? Can I come? ask you some questions for the next book. And frequently, I was coming all the way from Stuttgart to Baden-Baden, which is a two, three-hour drive, yeah. to ask him one or two questions. It was my guise for seeing mm -hmm. Tony. And yeah. he was always gracious. He's an he was an incredible raconteur, uh, a Latvian who, when he got into his cups, lapsed into a German song. Um, <laughs> He, uh, I called him Socrates because, you know, the Socratic method of education is that the student asks one question and Socrates asks five more to help the student figure out the answer for themselves. And that's how it was with Tony. Well, how fortunate. Baden-Baden, what a beautiful place. I'm, I've, I've been there a few times. It's a wonderful little village um, yeah. with uh, spas and resorts and so forth. I got to drive through there during a a trip from the uh, Porsche factory when I picked up a new Porsche back in 96 and was driving oh, around. nice. It ended up there. But, uh, you know, the, and his era with Porsche, his effect, affected me as well because those years were when I was in high school and college, formative years. I was really into cars and uh, all those cars you mentioned, just, yeah, very, very cool. Well, this next question is another tough one. And I usually ask people if there's one book they could recommend. I mean, you've done so many great books, and I'm going to put links to your books and how people can find them. But is there one book that is kind of a go-to for you? It could be one you did or one somebody else wrote. It's impossible. <laughs> um, I know. I know. Just, it's just one. I, I would say anything by John McPhee, but also anything by uh, Patrick Modiano. He's a French novelist who writes about identity. Because I write nonfiction, and because, as I've told you, I write nonfiction six or seven days a week, eight hours a day to get this racing history done, my escapist literature is fiction. And uh, so I, as I try to write a year every week, I also try to read even perhaps a novel a week. And so I, I read a lot of fiction, whether it's Raymond Chandler or John Carl Oates or Ursula Le Guin or Willa Cather or Agatha Christie or Jean Le Carré or car people. I will, I will give you, I have huge, huge respect for Carl Ludwigson. I have equally huge respect for Richard von Frankenberg. He was the founding editor of Christophorus. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the Porsche and, magazine. And, correct. And he also wrote a couple of books about Porsche history that are deeply insightful because he was a racer and he was there at the times he's writing about or wrote about. 
Uh, I loved reading Henry Manny's race reports in Road and Track. I loved reading anything Leonard J.K. Set Right wrote, and I admire the hell out of Paul Dean. Well, gee, I asked for one. I think I got 50 there. So <laughs> Sorry. I told you it was That's impossible. Okay. I know. It is. And by the way, you're in good hands here, a good company, I should say. You're a fellow Carshaw alumni now with Carl Ludvigsen. He was my 1,130th guest back October in 18. Wonderful man. I was so thrilled to get to talk to him because I've got all his books on my shelf as well. Very nice. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources Randy's been so kind to share on his Carshaw show notes page. Just go to carsyow.com, type in Randy Leffingwell, and that page will pop up. All right, Randy, we're almost there. We're up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. You can finally have that toy in your garage. I'm going to pay for everything, so don't price is no problem here. Don't worry about it. I'll even cover the insurance, call our friends at Haggerty, and uh, have that toy insured. But there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. The other is mm-hmm. you have to drive it and enjoy it. You live in a beautiful part of the country, oh, the Coast Highway. Yeah, lots of great driving hills around there. And it's the only cool collector car you can have in your garage. So choose wisely. Oh, this one was just, for me, a no-brainer. Okay. Uh, and and it, it may surprise you, it's not a Porsche. Okay, that's all right. It's a, uh, a Ferrari, a 1961 Ferrari Super America Scaglietti Spider. I can even give you the chassis number. <laughs> okay, which one? 2311 FA. It was a, a lot of people abused the word unique. You know, they can say it's the most unique. Well, no, there's just unique. Everything else is second. This is a truly unique, one of a kind vehicle. It looks well, Scaglietti designed the body of Ferrari's California Spider, and then Pin and Farina assembled it. So Scaglietti designed this body on the longer wheelbase Super America chassis for one of Enzo's steady, long customers, a Frenchman named Michel Paul Cavalier. Cavalier was the managing director of Pont à Mousson, a French company that was a foundry and a transmission maker, and then ultimately made some engines. But Cavalier also was one of the founding board members of Ferrari's sixties racing, fifties uh, racing team, even CFAC, uh, Scuderia oh, yes. yeah. Enzo yeah. Ferrari Automobili Corsi. Every year or every other year, Cavalier commissioned Enzo for a new car, always right-hand drive. Because Cavalier fashioned himself a racer, although he never raced. But this is a right-hand drive, long wheelbase, California-bodied Super America with an oversized fuel tank in lieu of a trunk and a through-deck lid filler. It is, it, it is purely a unique automobile. It is beautiful and completely enthralled with the history. And with the character, Cavalier, very, very interesting man. So, Mark, I've been really, really good now. If you could just deliver the car, I'm going to go for a drive. (laughs) I think so. Is that particular car black? It has been. At present, it is in a collection in Nevada, uh, and it's red, the original color. That, But it has been black. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I know the car, and I was thinking black, and that's why I thought, 
Is that the one that I maybe have seen in the past, maybe on the lawn at Pebble or Amelia or somewhere? Yeah. You will see it, I am told, this August at uh, the Quail. Oh, I plan okay. cool. I, I plan to show it. It's already been accepted, but since you're giving it to me, yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll make sure. Well, that's <laughs> I'll, good because I'll <laughs> and I'll take you for a ride. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, since I'll be at the Quail again this year, um, definitely we'll uh, meet up there and have some fun with your car. So uh, most definitely, Randy, you have taken me on an exceptional ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. Thanks for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you offer us maybe one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance? Before you and I drive off into the sunset in that 1961 Super America Scaglietti Spider, chassis number 2311SA. <laughs> Parting shot, I guess. Yeah. Do it right. It's pretty simple. Yeah, do it right. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you? Do you have a way people can reach out to you? Or are you just, you hide away in your, your little Santa Barbara home there and have some fun and write and take pictures and don't bother me, I'm busy. I am something of a recluse, but I have a website, which is randy at com, And on there is an email contact and I answer emails. Um, you do? In, in addition to that, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I did because that's how I think you found me. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Or else through the MPG book. Um, well, or probably some of our many uh, mutual friends actually who uh, said, hey, you got to have Randy on your show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They betrayed your confidence and gave me your, your custom secret handshake phone number. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. As you Very as you cool. had warned me, Mark, this has been fun. The other is to find my books. The best is Amazon. Oh, cool. uh, and I'm I have sure an author page that's uh, in, shall we say, in the works if I ever get <laughs> yeah, out of the Ferrari work, and back to work. <laughs> There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find everything Randy has shared. And I encourage you, if you're not familiar with his books, his photography, uh, check him out. You got to get some of his books on your shelves. I believe all of his sit on my shelves. I've enjoyed Randy's books and photography for years. This has been a true delight. And now that we're even better friends, from now on, I'm calling you Leffy, if I may. Um, (laughs) So there you go. So uh, I think that's the way to, to end our day here. But Randy, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your Many wonderful experiences. I've learned things about you I didn't know. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.